You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Atlanta Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we've got another exciting podcast for you this week right here on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. We are right in the middle of hardcore hunting. I think everybody is. Hopefully, it's November. We should be. And for most of us, I guess there's those few people that have the rut at weird time frames. But for most of us in the Midwest and the South and everywhere else, the rut's full swing and... uh we are hard at it, hunting hard. Matt and I have been hunting in Missouri and recently Kansas and maybe Kansas again. And we're still trying to finish up Missouri rifle season and get back to bow hunting. Um, and we had an interesting kind of uh, the other night. Of course, we're always brainstorming. And the other night we were like, you know what? What? It seems like I'm seeing more people buying blood bloodhounds and blood tracking dogs and we're like, let's do a podcast devoted strictly to blood trailing. It's such an important topic that often doesn't get talked about. And I think because there's so many different views and opinions on it, and it's such a situationally based topic, um, and the details that, that correlate with each shot placement and what you're seeing on the blood trail, that a lot of people just don't talk about it. And I think for me, everything I learned was by air. Yeah, uh, and that's it's so tough to learn that way. But when it comes to shot placement and blood trailing, the do's and don'ts, you know, there's a lot to learn, a lot to consider, so yes. many factors. And I think uh, for me, coming from several years in the industry now and, and uh, being a cameraman for a lot, and, and frankly, I, I'm blessed to have – now my wife say I, I can't hear a lick, and she's probably right. And I can't smell real good, but I can certainly see. And so – I've kind of built a knack for just having really, really good eyesight. So tracking blood is something, one of my really strong points. And so any camp I've been in, it seemed like I always got put in the front with tracking because it was like, he can see, he can, he, he may not, you may not be able to hear, he may not be able to hear you talk, but he can sure see. And with you and your background of, uh, out, out on the East coast, doing a bunch of, uh, there's always deer to trail with, with the, uh, Crop Basically, per, it, the, the crop, crop permits and yeah, everything like the crop that. Crop permits and, and urban hunting, suburban hunting. There was always trails to pick up, and and uh, there's a lot of experience doing and that. I, and I realize that when when we talk about our background, and that we have kind of the same thoughts. But I don't. It's kind of one of those things that it's kind of the afterthought. It's not. It, we all focus on the hunt, but sometimes that one of our biggest mistakes at not in not allowing us to put a buck on the wall or get meat in the freezer is the fact that we mess it up on the blood trail. No, that's a lot of the time, (laughs) a lot. And so we want to devote this entire podcast to how to blood trail deer. And it's going to be jam packed, action packed. We're going to have to jump into it really quickly. So fasten your seatbelts. But before we do that, Matt's got a few thoughts. Yeah. So when it comes to social media handles, be sure to be checking out the Sportsman's Nation 
Podcast Network on Instagram and Facebook. A lot of updates about the podcast are coming out each week and just what's happening in, in the in the whitetail world and, and what basically a lot of the hosts are doing too with some of their success um, that gets posted. So just check that out on a weekly basis and wherever you're listening at, uh, whether it be iTunes or, or Stitcher, whatever app you're listening on, subscribe and leave a review for the Sportsman's Nation podcast. You ready that to it? dive on in? Yeah. Let's so, do it. how to blood trail a deer. Now, there's all kinds of variables. There's all kinds of shot placements. There's all different types of blood and colors and blood droplets, direction, yeah. which direction they're going. Are they seeking cover? Are they going downhill, uphill to a water source? Whatever. Honestly, that's why I think like this topic doesn't get talked about because one, it's very sensitive for people because they've all probably failed at it a time or two, but there's so much information. People are like, I don't want to tackle it. I don't even want to get in there because there's just so many unknowns, but that's the kind of stuff that we have to cover if we, if we want to help. Yeah. Help and, out. And we need to kind of uh, podcasting is a newer thing in, in, in this kind of the hunting world. I mean, there's been some around for a long time, but uh, podcasting is kind of the place where you can really talk about details. That's oh, why we sure. love it so much. Yeah. Cause you can't cover everything about blood trailing in a video. Yeah. And no, so, no. Or you can do it in a seminar, but <laughs> that's you gotta one keep place. people's attention though. Yeah. And, and, and so podcasts, you. you guys are listening to us probably driving down the road or you're trying to listen to us to avoid listening to your boss bark <laughs> at you at work. And so here we are. And so the, before we start going into each different shot, there's a couple key things that we think help and in, in this whole process of blood trailing. And Matt, you've got the list over yeah, there at your computer. What I, are the first? It's ones? important for for as as we get into this that we're going to cover the common shot locations and, and where a lot of times people are hitting deer, and then from that or within each of those common shot locations, we're going to talk about the time frame in which you should leave um, that deer alone before picking up that trail. We're also talk about the blood, the color that you should be seeing, and the amount that you should be seeing if you know exactly where you hit it. And if you're not seeing that, then likely you need to re-examine the shot, go back if you have it on footage, on film, review that, and, and make a new game plan. Um, so those are some of the common things that we're going to talk about. But in general, when we're talking about blood trailing, some of the just common things that you see um, that some people might take for granted or may not know when they're trailing a deer what they're seeing exactly. So like like in a pass-through shot, what's the first thing that you can identify on a pass-through Bur- shot? Both sides. Or that you pick up the arrow right after the shot. That tells me probably a pass-through. Or a lot of times it's a clean pass-through, but it, they carry that arrow on down the trail. Like the doe I shot A lot of Kansas. fletchings get stuck yeah. on, that, on that back side. But for me, it's blood on both sides of whatever trail they're going down. Correct. So you got a... Blood trail on the left side, oh, and then on the right side. So basically two paths. It's almost like there's a, a gap kind of where their body's at, but exactly. it's on both sides. So there's like a foot gap, but it, there's blood on both sides of that gap. So really simple, but we need to we need to talk about it. And then the direction of the blood droplets. We get, When we're talking about not just, oh, oh, there's blood on the ground, I want to look exactly, see, okay, that blood, that droplet, if, it, if there's a little bit of a smear, I know, that, okay, that deer's moving quick. And I know which direction he's moving based on that droplet where it fell on a leaf or a smear. Um, and basically on grass looking or, for a teardrop shape, bigger exactly. going to smaller. That tells you stuff. That's important to, to look And And at. the only reason I think a lot of times when you're trying to figure out the direction is if this deer is making a circle 
looping, um, turning, or looping, getting off turning, of a trail. Yeah, it, because if it's just a straight blood trail, then you really could care less because you know. Oh, I, just I came see, from there. I can see it six feet up in front of so, me, and we're going. We're if going. the deer is looping, um, uh oh, um, number one thought, and then the other thought is, okay, how do we know it's looping or which way it's headed? And that's by checking to see which way the drop lit is going. Exactly. Um, and then also, if you're on a trail and you, and you know blood is getting thin, another thing to look for are really heavy tracks, disturbance in the leaves. You know, I would much rather be on blood. But let's say you get to a point, and, and again, it's getting thin. You've got, you know, blood every every ten steps. In between those droplets, or in between those those patches of blood, really be looking for those heavy tracks and and turned over leaves. Um, you know, a lot of times when you get rain, they basically the day of, you you're, you've killed or or you're you've harvested the deer, and you're taking up that trail. You can see exactly where they've run through the leaves. Um, or across the field, whatever it may be. But those are important things to consider and look at, um, not just the blood. And whenever, those are your advantage. W- whenever we're tracking, uh, we're talking about looking for tracks, and like you've lost blood or you found last blood. Now you're trying to find next blood, but you're like, it hasn't bleed here. It hasn't bled here, and you're looking for that blood. That's where we, I think this is our strong point. This is what we do really well, you and I, and even Chad together is we kind of station ourselves. Okay, there's last blood, and then you start really soft-stepping. You're not thrashing around leaves. You're just walking on your tippy-toes forward on assumptions of going, trying to put yourself in a deer's mind saying, if I was a deer, this is this." you kind of get down on their level, and you're like, that looks like a direction I would run. Yeah, you have to get uncomfortable to get on their level, but it's really important to make that decision and look for that sign. That's Which why I think you, you get in their mind. You really when do. I'm 70 years old, I'm going to be that the guy who's walking, and I'm almost my my abdomen is almost parallel with the ground because I've made my career either cleaning deer, like tonight when I yeah. took Jason and Olivia and they shot it shot it a little buck, and I was cleaning and I was leaned over, and then I'm tracking. I'm always leaned way over way, trying to find blood. I want to get and as I'm, close and to I'm that looking sign and as I'm, possible, and I'm going, okay, that looks like the direction the deer would go. I'm soft stepping up there. Off of the what seems the like side. the main trail. So I'm off exactly. to the side looking down going, okay, where's the blood? And I may go 10, 20, 30 yards, and then I come right back to last blood, and I pick the other way, the other trail that I think, okay, they might have gone that way. And I do the same thing, soft stepping off to the side of the main trail, looking down 10, 20, 30 yards. Okay, nothing there. Then I'll go check another one. And and we do that all the time if we're on a difficult blood trail. No doubt. And, and that's that's the most important thing in, in what you covered is I'm not walking on the trail I think the deer is on. I, you have to remove yourself and step just off to the side. Because let's say if you have if you have blood every 10 steps or every 10 yards or so, and it's a, it's a getting to a, a, a – basically blood is running out. It's getting thin, and you start stepping on that trail, you're turning over leaves that blood could be on. You really now now it's twenty or thirty yards that you could potentially have in between each spot and finding a drop of blood. No, in in that interval, that's tough. If I blood trail with somebody who's kicking up leaves, I'm kicking them off the trail. They're the guy who goes back to last blood and sits and waits and Mm -hmm. says, "Sorry, you got to sit here." Yeah, And, and and it's not to be mean, but it's to get to the point where you can successfully track the deer and take it up without having the thought of, "Oh, well that." 
all the, all my signs getting turned over. I need yeah. to know. Sometimes when you track and it gets down to pin drops, mm-hmm. and if somebody's kicking up leaves or even even shifting leaves under other leaves, that's yep. a huge problem. Yep. So we're soft stepping everywhere we go. Another key thing just to keep in mind is if if it doesn't matter, but you always want to walk even with lights on at night. Go easy. Don't be laughing, talking. We always whisper because if by chance that deer is not dead, we don't want to just blow through there and bump him everywhere. I think you can sneak and probably find him bedded up if you're quiet about it. And that's happened multiple times and and let's say it's let's say it's not dead and, and and we are taking our time we're being quiet yes i realize that they know the lights they can see us coming however but if they're not if you're not being loud you can you can generally get within a, a reasonable distance that if they do get up and they're injured they're hurt you're going to hear them get up and leave and that's the i'm gone i'm going out the back door i'm they, they usually have him time. other other things on their plate yeah they're in pain. looking at your lights going yeah. well, those lights getting closer so they you need to know what's going on 100 not just on that blood trail but what what's happening up ahead of you and by being quiet and, and keeping lights on the ground that's that's important to to consider and we just talked about it pace when you're taking up the blood trail oh. i also don't like the people who even if there's good blood even if there's I don't really want to see a headlight or a flashlight shining high looking for yeah. a body. I, well, and I just don't want to, I don't want to run. I don't want to no. run along a trail. I don't want to walk fast. I, even if it's good blood, really confident, we're taking it slow. We're looking, we're analyzing because every single blood drop, there's something to learn about what's going on, what's happening. And you've yes. got to use that information. We're walking slow and, and just a good pace. And, I, I think that's one of the huge things that is trying to teach people and training people because we've all been on a blood trail where you're like, okay, you're confident. That's the one thing I, I probably have been c- called a a little bit of a Debbie Downer when it comes to blood trail because I'm always so I'll believe it when I when we get our hands on the deer. Mm-hmm. Like let's take it slow. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just play worst case scenario here. Okay, blood is good. But you never know what can happen. But a body is better. <laughs> yes, I want to get my hands on those antlers, or I want to get my hands on those hooves of the doe and get her mm, out of here. Hooves. Those yeah. hooves, baby, <laughs> and uh, good back scratchers. Anyway, yeah. and so I, I just I want to take it slow. And everybody's been with the one where you I always call it the stiff arm. You got to where slow the guy's on the down. trail and he's trying to he's trying to go ahead, and you have to stick the arm straight out and go. Whoa, Easy. no, we're going slow Easy. here. I always do the the whistle. Yeah. Hey, you better slow it down. We yeah. we got we got to take our time. And that's the good thing about filming. That's just the excuse you use. Oh, right, hey, hey, I got I got to get this. We got to slow down. Yeah. We got to slow down. Stay right here with me. Stay right here. Yeah. Slow them down. Another big thing that and I didn't realize how amazing this was until I started using them. But lighted knocks. You you have to. It it's it's a it's a very good investment you will make. Not just for us, the filming is a huge part of it. And I say lighted knocks. The last three deer we killed, we haven't had lighted knocks. <laughs> I know. And um, they haven't worked. Or, <clears throat> yeah. And so <laughs> you got to put lighted knocks. It'll be a very good investment. That will allow you to see more of where you hit the body, especially in low light. If you're shooting yes. low light, last light, and you shoot, you really don't have an idea like and where you hit. What we found is even in a, a daylight situation – Green works really, really well. Green and blue. Yes. So I would, I would, 
tend to use those colors over other ones. Um, green, green's my favorite. And then, well, blue, uh, blue is my favorite during day, and red at night. Red just seems like a glows. Yeah, beach ball going towards them. So, um, both of the just invest in lighted knocks. It'll really help you go. Oh, okay, that shot was a little further back than I thought. Um, because we always see things with our naked eye, and we're like, oh yeah, that's where I hit him. For me, it's always, oh yeah, it's perfectly broadside. Mm-mm. That's and, very rarely the case. Oh, it's always like, oh yeah, it's not. That's not the and, case. And that's another thing that if you're if you're a person Hold who, on. now start. If you're a person who's coming and you know you didn't harvest, you didn't you didn't take the shot, and you're helping someone, assisting someone with a blood trail, it's really important that before you take it up. You make the person who took the shot go through everything that happened. I want to know the details, how this deer came in, how far, broadside, quarter and two, did it react to the shot? Were you able to tell? Do you know where it hit? What was the sound in which the arrow made? How did the deer react? Was it tail tucked? Was it taken off? Did it go run and stop? What happened? What occurred before and after that shot? And But then take everything with a grain of salt because it might not be exactly what they thought and not because you know they're a liar but because things happen in an instant adrenaline does something to people when when you you just you you know you see how a deer reacts to the sound of a shot they can do it in an instant and that changes things so Mm -hmm. taking it with a grain of salt and just having some wiggle room basically and into the whole story of okay well if he if he was quartering two it could be a little more ex- extreme than what when than what um, you know was told. So anyhow, that's some things to consider before taking up the trail. Um, again, those lighted knocks are important and beds. We didn't talk about beds. What happens when you find a bed? To me, we're we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that um, throughout each of these common shot locations. But when I find a bed, when I come up on a bed, to me, it's really important to understand. Okay. How was the deer lane oriented within the bed? That'll tell me, okay, if there's blood in that bed, how much, where's it coming from, where's entry, where's exit, so on and so forth. And then I got to make the decision of where is this bed located? Is it kind of in the open? Is it tucked up against cover? That's going to tell me exactly how hurt that deer is. Yeah. And, and if I pursue or not, if I continue to pursue or back out. Yeah. Like a lot of times when I find a bed, I immediately am like, okay, wasn't as fatal as I thought. Now I'm not saying it's not fatal, but if if I hit it where I wanted to, it's not going to bed down. It's going to be dead within 250 yards. But st- things happen. Finding a bed to me goes okay because during that process, that deer is laying down because it's not feeling good, and during that process, its body's trying to heal what's going mm-hmm. on. It's trying to clot and fill that coagulate with inside to just slow stop. the bleeding. Yes, it's trying to slow and stop that bleeding. And so, typically, when you find a bed, it's like, uh-oh, okay, they stand up, the trail's going to probably get more difficult unless they mm-hmm. can pass that clot. Right, unless that clot comes out of the wound and they start to actively bleed again. If not, if it's inside that cavity, you're not getting nearly as much blood on the ground. So, And, that, and that's the thing, like, if, if there's that, that bed in thick cover and, and I've given that deer proper time with where I thought I hit that deer, let's say let's say it's a liver shot and I find a bed and I... It's been four or five hours, and I'm in thick cover. I feel I still feel pretty confident that, okay, I know this deer's hurt based on where he decided to lay down. He's had time. And with liver, liver shot deer, it's not uncommon to find multiple beds. Two and three beds is very common. 
Yeah. I know. Okay. Or really, he got I, shot. I, I think got I, shot yeah, there too. Exactly. I think he's going to be within a hundred yards. Yeah. Or whatever. All right. Well, let's just dive. No, on hold in. on. Whoa. We got more. Um, it it kind of made me think of a few more, a few more things when we're talking about these, when we're talking about the beds, and then we want to talk about when you're when you're watching a trail, if a deer is running down a trail or based on the blood droplets, it's walking down a trail. That's another pretty Just good sign. Stays on a deer trail, well known, well used. He's not deer trail. probably mortally hit, could be, but not acting like it. And, he and has enough is... awareness about himself and about his health that he is staying on the deer trails. If he's not on the deer trails, he's more concerned about what in the world's going on. I'm not feeling right. I'm not worried about finding a trail. He he just doesn't know what's going on. He's getting ready to perish, most likely. If he's on a deer trail, he has enough awareness to say, okay, something's up, but I'm going to stay on this, what I know is safe, and that's a deer trail. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. There's been many times when... I've been tracking, you know, a day after a shot or something, and you know, a deer stays on the trail for a long, long time, and then blood starts getting a little thin, and then all of a sudden, they veered off down into a hill or down into a creek bottom, and then boom, that blood picks up. Look a little bit further if, if if you can, if the terrain allows, and I see the deer laying. As yep. soon as they start to veer off, I know that things are going south for them. Yeah, and that's encouraging, but that's a sign that you need to basically take into your into effect of what's happening what's that deer reaction and the other to? thing i thought of while you were talking i know we kind of we we never really stay on track but Hardly you're talking ever. about heart heart rate with the clots and everything yeah keep in mind when deer are running downhill that blood usually typically gets a little more thin because their heart rate isn't beating as much so they're not pumping out as much blood when it's they're going uphill you're going to find more blood and that's why if a deer gets down in the bottom, they will likely stay in the bottom if they're hurt yes. bad enough. When a deer is running up a steep hill, I'm going, yeah, they're not hurting as bad as I as I would hope. Right, on the track job. Yes. yes. And so kind of keep that in mind. That If you're going up a hill and you're like, man, he's bleeding like crazy. Yeah, well, his heart's pumping like crazy, so that's just part or, of it. Or even worse is if the deer's going uphill and not bleeding much. That's yes. not a good sign. Not a good sign. And I, I think of... One time I shot a buck. I actually never found the buck. Um, actually, and two days later got shot during gun season. But um, I was trailing this, this deer, and he was down in a valley. And I'm like, we couldn't find any blood, couldn't find any blood. I'm like, he kind of was headed towards uphill, but I don't know. So we went up to the three-quarters of the way up the hill and started gritting it, found blood. Mm -hmm. And that was just because he started running up that hill and pumped out more blood. Yeah, so, yeah. Kind of keep that in mind when you're trailing as well. For sure. You now, ready? now I'm ready. All right. Well, let's dive into this. Is one of the the common shot placements that you'll find um, hunters making quite a bit, and, and sometimes they're very fatal and very quickly it happens. You know, it's a short blood trail, or sometimes they're not at all, um, and that is a high shoulder shot. So, what are the signs? Immediate signs. If you let's say let's say you take a shot, you hit the shoulder, and you're you're not positive on on where you hit. First sign. First sign is whack, a crack. <laughs> yeah. It's not a thump. It's a crack. You can hear that shoulder. Just, Most likely, that arrow didn't completely vanish either. No, they might be carrying it. Um, 
and, and you see it, and you can even hear it, hear that arrow hitting brush or, or limbs or whatever it may be. Um, or you can see it. I've seen it sometimes where an arrow is sticking out and, and it's dragging across the ground and it's moving leaves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, sometimes it's that's sitting short, in there was that cutting. A midget deer that you shot? <laughs> or a long arrow? Long arrow. It's big old <laughs> aluminum. Yeah. Um, so immediately it's that loud crack that you're going to hear on a high shoulder shot and a deer running off in a lot of pain, a lot of pain, a, a lot, lot of have, Yeah. Can't really get his feet under him. He's struggling. And it, and, but that, that's a sign though. It's like, Oh, I crushed it. I got it. I got it. Look at it struggling. And that can lead you to think that I'm going to find that deer. It's going to be a short blood trail. All that crashing, all that noise may make you think that that deer's expired. But really, that sound is just the deer getting out of, of hearing distance, basically. And so immediately, if I, if, I, if I think I may have hit a high shoulder, I want to give it some time. I want to get my composure. And if that arrow did come out or even break off, I want to go and inspect. To me, a high shoulder shot is all about how far that arrow penetrated in. Uh-huh. And, and that, to me... Once I have the arrow, or once I have a good idea, if it's on film, I can go back and watch footage. I want to know how far it went in. That's going to tell me, go home, wait till the next day, go back to camp, wait for a couple hours, and pick up the trail. Yeah, I immediately. If, if I see my lighted knock, or hear my arrow, or see the arrow smacking his shoulder, he's getting time regardless. Regardless, right. And, and that's the other good thing about a lighted knock, though, too. You can see it, the direction in which it went, down the woods, or if it came out down the trail later on, you're able to see the direction where he's at, where he headed, and exactly where that blood trail is going to be, let's say 100 yards. So let's, you know, at at nighttime, you shoot a deer, you know, before um, sun goes down, then you wait that time. That's a great advantage to having a light knock. For sure. Absolutely. So shoulder shot deer, what kind of blood can we expect? (sighs) Depends again on the penetration. Uh-huh. Exactly. I, I have I've I've seen a lot of times where you get three, four inches of penetration and you get a little bit of bubbly blood and you get some lung in there, but it doesn't penetrate and hit two lungs, and then really it doesn't do that much. So you get that anticipation of, oh I got I got lung blood, I got lung blood, it's it's bright, it's frothy. Well, when he and says frothy, starts, he's talking about bubbles as well. Yeah, bubbles in the blood. But then, as soon as I start to take up the trail, it's not as much as I wanted to see. And then, on a high shot, no matter what, a, a high shot in the guts, a high shot in the shoulder, you're not going to get it to bleed out as much as a low shot. Because that blood is going to start filling up the body cavity within the diaphragm. It's basically from its sternum down, it's going to start filling that up with blood. Higher if it the, bleeds higher in the sh- Higher in the body, anywhere, anywhere. is going to be internal bleeding versus external bleeding. Exactly. So you need to consider that. So immediately, you're going to see some bright, brighter, lighter colored blood. And the reason it's lighter is because it's more oxygenated. It's right there at the lungs. That's what all it means. So when you get back to the liver, where there's not as much oxygen in the blood, it's darker. And same thing if you hit it in the hind quarter, it's a darker, even though it's meat and not liver, it's a darker blood than with if you just hit shoulder meat, basically. Yeah. 
That's because shoulder it's less to me. oxygen in I, that blood. And and unfortunately, I've been on a lot of shoulder shot deer. <coughs> Chad Keith, my brother. <laughs> do, I called him, him out. Do called him under out. the bus. Um, that was kind of uh, some difficulties he had early on in our hunting career. Now, I've always, I'll be the first one, I've always struggled shooting deer in the liver guts. Mm-hmm. That's where yes, I, you have. I, shoulders <laughs> just shoulders just terrify me, especially shooting mechanical broadheads. So if I err, I always err further back. Now, I don't have a problem with that because they always die. Shoulder shot deer, I've been on a bunch of them in my day from various hunters where we never found the deer. And, and even got excited because we were seeing some nice, frothy, bubbly blood but that told me it was one lung deer and barely any of that. Mm-hmm. And but more shoulder shot deer that aren't fatal to me are bright, almost pinkish blood, no bubbles, just a lot of kind of that meaty type, meaty muscly type, um, type blood. And high shoulder, you may even see a little bit of bone fragment in there too. Not and, even that's very, and just, very common. And high shoulder or front of shoulder, like mm-hmm. brisket, yeah. you'll see some bone. Um, and and that's kind of that's that's, that's something not, that's not for. good. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be on a blood trail and find large chunks of bone. That's where when I find large chunks of bone, whether it's with a rifle or even a, a bow, I go, uh oh, we're either I shoulder think, or we are brisket, and this is going to yeah. be difficult. I immediately think penetration. How much did I get? Yeah, like is it is it enough? I start to question that. Right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so high shoulder, again, you're going to start out, you're going to feel confident if you're on that blood trail, and then the blood's going to get thin. It's just going to start to get less and less and less. Um, if, you, if you're if you in that scenario, you hear that thwack, you're on that blood trail, and you and you suspected a high shoulder shot, and that as soon as that blood starts to get thin and you've taken up the trail, I'm backing out. Yeah. Backing out. And honestly – Backing out, and if you have the opportunity, a dog would be the, a pretty good option the next day. Uh, the next day, and that's the thing. Come back. Yeah. Come back and, and give that deer time to expire. If that deer gets back up on its feet um, and, and you're pushing that deer, I, 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 you, 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 you hear so many times, of, oh, I'd rather push that deer, I'd rather push that deer. There's very few times that I want to – I think it's, it's advantageous to go and keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. I almost never want to keep pushing. Yeah, I and that's the thing. You know, we talked about having having a dog come out. Um, talked about that early on. That that frequency. A lot of people are doing it. If within your state you can do it legally, that's a huge advantage. So a dog is going to smell way, way, way better and and pick up sign much more than than a human can. So if you can do that, especially on a high shoulder shot, give that deer time. And we're talking 10, 12 hours if you know that's where you hit it and come back in with a dog later on. Mm-hmm. Take it slow, too. Take that blood trail slow. Yeah. I've You've heard stories of people who hit it high, and they're able actually to get another shot on that deer the next day. And, and yeah, you know, do yeah. it in. Yeah, roll a thumb. Try to avoid that shoulder. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ready to move on? Yeah. Anything else on the shoulder? Yeah, I have too many bad memories. Get me out <laughs> He's here. He's like, get me gone. Get me gone. Heart shot. Yeah. Oh, all I like right. A hard shot. Here you go. This is the best wisdom you can get from me. Aim, this is this is what I do. Aim for bottom heart, hope for top of heart, or double lung. Yep. That's it. Yep. I, I would heart shot. That's the best way for me. I, I think that's the quickest, 
now it's it's a small target so i don't necessarily expect to hit it every time especially with deer that are ducking and re, and reacting to a to a sound but heart shot is fantastic yeah and, and that's the thing you know we we've had the discussion talked about deer in kansas versus locally here in missouri for us and just the amount of of reaction that they're having to the sound of a of a bow um we're adjusting where we're aiming specifically on a deer because of that um aiming more center to top of the heart on a kansas deer versus an ozark deer (laughs) in missouri where it's bottom of the heart every single time yeah but heart shot what can you expect i'm seeing since it's lower it's below that middle line you're getting a lot of blood. lot of blood. These are the best blood trails, oh, I, I love think. Them. Uh, yeah, it, love. and they're usually sh- they're short blood if, trails. And, and, and if you hit it in the heart, sometimes you, I mean, it's very very common for you to see it fall in sight. Yep. Like or hear it crash. Yeah, hear a big crash and you're confident. That's great. Now you can heart shoot them while catching some one of the legs as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, to where you see a deer, I think of like, I shot a doe a couple years ago that kind of reacted. I hit her in the heart and she like fell, fell down, but her, and I clipped that leg. So she was kind of trying to get her legs under, but she was, and she ran like 50 yards, really struggling. Most of the time, heart shot nose on the ground. You're going to hear them die or most likely you're going to see them die unless you just can't see that far. Right. If it runs, you know, down a hill out of sight or whatever. Um, but as soon as you get to that blood trail, you're going to know, you're going to feel pretty confident because you're going to be able to pick up that trail and, and basically a walking pace trail yep. with that along that blood trail to that deer. Heart shot, love it. Not much more to say. Everyone, a blind yeah. man can follow a heart shot. That's why shot. they make songs about it. Shot through the heart Woo! and you're to blame. Uh. Anyway, so a heart shot deer, expect... Uh, darker color blood than what, what I described, that pinkish right. like muscle of a shoulder. Expect just good, true red blood. Yes. I, I, that's the best way. Fire heart. engine red blood. Yeah. You have a heart is half the blood is coming in and getting pumped to lungs. The other half is getting from lungs out to the rest of the body. So it's going to be right there in the middle of highly oxygenated and not as much on the other half. So it mixes. It's not as bright right. as lung, yeah. but it's still pretty it's darn red. It's not as red. dark as, as uh, a liver. liver. Right. No. Right it's there in the middle. Good red blood, not pink, Ooh, but yeah. just good red. I love it. Um, and usually it's sprayed everywhere too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's on sides of trees. It's, it's, it's not just dropping on the ground. It's a three foot trail. It's yeah. like someone shooting it out of a hose. Yeah. It's, it's the best blood trail. It's one of those where people say buckets. Yes. Buckets of blood. That's that's a heart shot, most likely. Now, now is another really good one. I'm guessing double lung. you got to go double lung. Double lug them. I mean, I, there's nothing to go wrong with the double lung. They're going to expire. Um, most of the time, you're going to hear them or see them the time, fall. Um, or unless unless you hit them high and double lung. Yep. And, and the only reason for that is uh, the blood trail can be a little misleading. Be, again, because it's higher in the body cavity, not as much blood is going to be pumping out onto the ground. So you might have felt very confident in the shot placement, but then the blood trail doesn't give you that confidence as you're taking it up. But just know if, if you know for certain that you hit it double lung, it might be higher, the cavity is filling up with blood and not dumping out on the ground. And that's one so thing. So will still expire. Quickly. When we're talking about double lung, and probably the next one's going to be single lung, is double lung high is occurs a lot more when you're 
not as high in a tree. You're shooting a little more ground level because of the angle. Mm -hmm. You get up high and you think you double lunged a deer who's perfectly broadside and he's 10 yards out and you're 25 foot up a tree. You're probably still just single lung that deer. Yeah. Um, so kind of keep angles in mind. When angles you, is so important. When you're thinking about double lung and, and kind of really study the anatomy of a deer and see how their lungs sit. Because I think for a long time, I was I, I thought the lungs sit perfectly right behind the shoulder, but they actually don't. It's a When I say right behind the shoulder, very equal to where it's like six inches from the shoulder all the way up through right behind the shoulder, but it's not no. the case. Nope, it's certainly not. And I, I We're going to cover a couple instances um, you know, down the road when that we've tracked deer together that we both shot. Um, but the one that comes to mind when, when I think of double lung, and it, didn't, it may not have looked like a double lung right away, was the spot and stalk the other yeah. two years ago in Kansas. That deer was, was bedded down with its rear facing me, and its it was brisket pointing away. away. Yeah, yeah, at a very sharp angle. But mm-hmm. we weren't that high. We were 12, 15 foot above him, probably. Yeah, on a bank. On a bank, right. And um, he was bedded down, kind of facing away. And it was basically that shot with the arc of the arrow had to drop just over top the ham and lodge down into the opposite shoulder. And it did. But when he got up, my immediate thought was, oh, gosh. But the way he was laying, he was – I'm basically shooting – just left of his spine going in. So it looked Is like that the best shot you ever made. I'm going to hear That's, about this shot for the rest of my life, aren't I? You might now until I do it again. Um, that ain't never happened again. I'll just tell you, <laughs> we're never going to walk up on an ice buck bedded in a Creek bed well, with the perfect stock scenario. Minus the leaves being dry. Yeah. But the, uh, it based the angle of everything. It didn't look like a double lung, but looking back and thinking okay where that deer was laying the base says as he ran off you're like whoa what the heck but then you saw him die 60 yards away like okay uh, i guess i was thinking a little wrong the way he was laying or whatever but that ended up working out fine when i think of a double lung trail i think of i'll share a quick story this is funny um this was an ongoing matt and i are like we're brothers-in-law but we're like brothers now but um he used to be a uh broadhead a fan and i used to be a broadhead (laughs) b fan and so we would debate almost a ford a chevy debate between these two types of broadheads and he killed a nice buck that fall with his broadhead a company and i still mouthed him about it it you could where where that shot plate was it didn't matter it didn't matter if you shot him with a field tip well field tip he was dead (laughs) or or a flint a piece of flint yeah so and then i took we went out and you filmed me a few days later and that deer, uh, I, sh- I shoot a doe, double lung her, mm-hmm. and you remember that massive it was blood trail. It was eight, eight foot wide. And I was like, this this right here. No, 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 it was not a blood trail. It was more of a blood highway. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I'm cruising on the freeway. I can change lanes, and I'm still in the blood. It's almost like, I'm going to walk off this because I don't want to get my boots bloody. Yeah, it was kind of gross. And, uh, and that's when I was like, see this right here? This is a broadhead B blood trail. Yeah. And, and then just... Just as a side note, Matt left that internship, came back years later, and he was shooting Broadhead Beat Company. So just so, just so or no, <laughs> I was so a blood trail of a double lung deer is fantastic. A lot of times, really bubbly, frothy blood. 
really, really red, um, even slightly lighter than a heart shot, mm-hmm. but still not pink. Just beautiful blood. I mean, yeah. and if it's that's everything a- you everything you imagine blood being, and and you get that kind of spray too. You get lots of heavy drops. You get lots of patches of blood, mm-hmm. um, but you get a lot of spraying out as well. Um, and then a lot of times you can hear that deer as they're running off. <laughs> yeah. Before they expire. Yeah. Um, as gross as it sounds, but it's the case. If you're hearing that, likely you're definitely in the lungs, double lung, then you hear crash. And you can and, go and pick and up And you're even going to hear crashing <clears throat> sometimes with the double lung or heart shot deer. Because those deer, double lung and heart shot deer are very, fa- I mean, they're obviously fatally shot. So they're they're not focused on running a trail. They're not focused on avoiding a, a limb or two they're crashing through everything mm-hmm. they're just trying to go because they don't know what just happened yes. so you're going to hear loud when they're leaving if you're in the timber you're going to hear loud crashing banging into stuff and they're just trying to get out of there and and they don't <laughs> and they don't and they don't. usually you hear a crash that's why it's really important for us even with the video we don't celebrate or do anything right after the shot we just stop and it's like listening listening and watching and you're trying to watch where they run by, where you last see them. So in case you can't find blood, you can go check there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to listen for a crash. You're listening. You're just trying to learn everything you can in that split second that that deer is and running And another off. thing to do is is mark where that deer went into the timber. If it's if you're on a field edge, mark where that tree is, where it went by. With your eyes that. from the stand. Yeah, you, yeah, you've got to keep that in mind because sometimes across open field, very tough to find blood even if you, if you smoke them. You know, you want to yeah. know. You gotta, you gotta have a reference point to go to. And you're talking about usually hearing one just thrashing and crashing, and running off. There was a, a buck. He, I just shot a doe. He chased a doe up in front of me. This is way back years ago in college, and in Virginia, he killed two deer a day. Um, it was November first. He chases this doe up on a hill. Whack! Shoot her. I turn around and realize, holy cow! There's a buck coming. Decent little ten pointer comes up and runs and stops about where I shot her, and he's. I, I see this a lot on a completely broadside shot, but he was actually quartering away a little bit. He was close, 15 yards. And at that time, I had your broadhead B. Broadhead A. That's would, what you were. You were broadhead A to start with. To or start, you were shooting broadhead uh, this is B. B oh. at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you'd already made the switch. Okay. Come to the, not, I left the dark side. Um, and no, we're not going to say what A and B are. So don't ask. But <laughs> we were, I was aimed up whatever shot made the shot and i i questioned myself right away i was like did i hit that deer and then he because t- he I, I saw like and he slowed right down to a walk and then i can see on both sides he turned his butt was facing me and it was just on like streams on both sides of him just pumping out but he wasn't acting like he was hit I, it was just a complete like that's another thing what we need the to know. heck happened yeah and then he just bedded down and he literally went 10 yards I'm like oh oh my gosh yeah well this is ridiculous There's yeah no thrashing, and, and but it was- that's another thing to remember when you're shooting deer that's it's got adrenaline pumping it's chasing a doe they don't know that like they're so focused on the doe they're not focused on danger mm-hmm. and so what a lot happened, of times i split ribs on it like it didn't crack a rib it just split both ribs entry and exit and he was just sitting there like he was head up looking around had to be an expandable <laughs> yeah yeah it was <laughs> and he was looking around like what the heck? And then got real weak, bedded down, and was done. Yeah. I mean, that quick. But it was, huh. it was incredible. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. That's uh, And I think of Sticker 8 that I shot last year. That was a yeah. hard shot deer. Yeah. 
ran 10 yards, fell over. Yep. He didn't know what happened. No, he just kind of, he leaped. He just bloop, Yeah, bloop, made bloop. a couple of bounds, stopped, and was like, was like what's that These things are not good right now. And then head first dove into a blowed over cedar. Well, yep. no, a cut cedar. Cut cedar. Yeah. That was incredible. Yep. One lung. Ugh. I think we covered double pretty this, good. Honestly, when when we started talking about it, was a one lung, a one lung blood trail that we were talking about. There, that kind of a memory um, that led to this whole podcast was yeah. a one lung deer um, and one lung deer. The horror stories of one lung deer because they are so misleading. Yet, the, I I just I think of several deer that I tracked and several successful and unsuccessful ones that were one lung deer. And and what we learned on that whole track job, where it was just like, wow, this is this is not a track that I like. No, uh, no, because it's so misleading. And that's the, that's the most important thing. One lung deer, and and you don't honestly, you don't know until you're in a tracking situation, typically, that you one lunged a deer. A no. lot of times on a shot placement, even if you're able to go back and review footage, a lot of times it's unless you're cu- blowing out the brisket on your exit you're you think that you got both lungs and uh, until you start picking up the trail and get deep into a trail you're like oh oh things yeah. aren't as as what I, they I think seem one one kind of red flag and i thought the deer was broadside or whatever yes um is yes. your arrow doesn't blow through it smacks into a, a offside shoulder or it hits the front shoulder and goes in that's a pretty good indicator that yeah probably wasn't perfectly broadside now you should be worried. Did I get one lung or two still? Mm-hmm. If it hits opposite shoulder, you're 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 most likely uh, you could uh, you're, still you're, you're hit still, both still, lungs. Yeah, but yeah, at, yeah. If it's at a certain angle, there's a chance that you probably didn't. But that's the thing of a quartering two, and you see it when a deer reacts quite a bit. Even if you shoot like right when you shoot their broadside, and they start to turn, and you still hit. It looks like the entry is perfect right behind the shoulder, and your last memory is it was broadside, smoked it. But they turn enough that it blows out the brisket, and you don't know. You you've got a sticky situation on your hands mm-hmm. when it comes to one lunging a deer. And again, the reason that they're so tough is because you get so aggressive. You're confident in what you saw. You're confident in what you're seeing on the ground. But then that slowly starts to dissipate, and you've you've haven't given that deer enough time to expire and what it really truly needs. And you've been aggressive. You could have bumped the deer. Um, that's happened to us in, in, in a instant before. Yeah. We didn't shoot it. We were tra- taking the trail up, but it was, Oh, it smoked smoke city. And then the deer got up and we're like, okay, something's not right. That's obviously not a double lung shot. We're coming back. We're backing out. Yep. Um, and, and again, it, they're hard to recognize that. It's, oh, that's a one lung. So that's why we always say, err on the side of caution as you're taking up a trail. Don't run. Don't bust through there. Ease into a trail. And you might be able to save yourself or save yourself from bumping a deer out of a bed, if it is one lung, by taking it slow. And this is a good time. We ha- I'll have to apologize for both of us. This is a podcast we we're both really excited. felt like it's a lot of information to be given. One thing we, didn't, we did not talk about was the fact that if – so a heart shot deer and a double lung deer, we're probably going to see them go down or hear them crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to know, if not, we're going to know pretty quickly in the trail that, okay, this deer is, this deer is going to perish. If we haven't heard that deer crash and we haven't 
seen it go down, and we are a little unsure about the shot, we give each deer at least two hours, regardless. Two to three hours. We Uh, may go to the site of impact and try and find either the arrow, if if we thought it passed through, or, or the first blood that's on the ground. But beyond that, we're not taking up that trail. Mm-hmm. It, it's ample time. And even at least if two hours. we get there and the blood looks good, we may take it 50 yards just to say, okay, yeah. Basically out of sight looks, of where yeah, we last saw Looks it. really good. Um, if there's any, I mean any questions, pull back. Pull yep. out and just be like, okay, yep, we're coming back. We're going to give this deer some time. And, and come back with more people too. Um more people that know what they're doing. <laughs> more Don't people just, that, yeah. More is not always better on a blood trail. Right. You got to have, and, and sometimes it's important to, like we've done in, in the past, to take a little bit of shift work. Someone takes leads. Someone's looking. Your eyes definitely get tired. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, especially if it's late into the night. But, you know, someone takes point. Someone's finding that initial blood. Someone's staying back and staying at the last blood. Um, and everything in between, looking if, if a deer squirted off to the left or right or gotten off that trail. Um but basically, a, a, align people with certain jobs and have mm-hmm. them perform them and then shift around. Give yourself a break. But and, and on that note, when it comes to tracking the type of lights, don't get. I, I don't like yellow lights, White dim, light. dim lights. Yes. I don't like any of that. I don't even want a lantern. I don't want a big flood beam. Um, I What I like is a very simple, super bright LED flashlight that's... Mm-hmm pretty much a spot not necessarily a floodlight or a fill light but it's pretty 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 focused in an area because frankly for me with my adhd i don't want to be looking as and and this was matt and i's debate the other night i would rather track deer at night he would rather track them during the day for me i want to be focused and looking just where my flashlight is and that's why i like good bright flashlight led white led and that's the only place my eyes are going no, and, and that's super important, especially in a really dark, dark night. Or, um, you want extreme focus on where your eyes are only focusing. You don't want to be looking like the gray area outside that beam, just to where your your eyes can focus. And, and I know I'm a time. I'm a flashlight nut. You are, but yeah. So if any of you guys want to send a a Christmas gift because you appreciate the podcast, <laughs> yeah. just send me an LED flashlight, and I will be. Your best friend. You have a stocking full of LED flashlights. I love them, and that's why I get them so much during during Christmas. And and it, a lot of it is because I like just having the and uh, the security of knowing that I have three of them in, in my backpack. So in case this one goes dead, I got three more just like them, baby. Well, that's the thing. I don't I don't take just one light to try to Never. take up a blood trail. I always have, take. I a typically have a headlamp, a really good headlamp, and a really good small handheld one. And I'm switching back and forth too. I don't want to drain batteries. I, I if I see one starting to get a little dim, I'm switching. I'm going to the other one because I want to be able to have good light from beginning to the end of the trail. Or you know, if you're out there for three, four hours taking a slow trail, you've got to have that light management. Yes, it's serious stuff out there. So back to one lung, one lung deer. Ugh, I was trying to avoid it. That's how much I hate it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to see frothy blood, bubbly blood. You're going to see good-looking blood. And a good amount of blood right at the start. Right at the start. And you're going to think, boy, this is pretty good. Yeah. And to me, so I said one red flag was the swack or whacking of the offside shoulder, front shoulder, and I I just didn't, the arrow just didn't blow through it. That's one red flag that makes it go, eh, I don't know if I caught both lungs. 
if we start trailing this deer and we're like, boy, this is really good, and we go 200, 250 yards. That's when I start to question. And it's like, uh-oh. It, basically, that's that that margin, that interval of, of distance that a deer is going. And it's like, not as good as what I thought. Uh-huh. And, and, and you see that. Basically, I make that connection based on the fact that, okay, a deer has traveled 200 yards. And if it's a one lung deer at this point, I've had really good blood. Now it's starting to get thin. And, and what they've done, they've run really, really hard. They've gotten away from the immediate danger. And that's why they're pumping so much. Their adrenaline's going, they're running, they're getting out of Dodge, but then they start to slow down. And then that's when that clotting really starts to happen and work to their advantage and your disadvantage. And you're still going to see good blood. You're yeah. just not going to see it spraying out. Right. You're going to see good blood, which you can, at walking pace, follow, but it just keeps going on and on and, and on and on and on and less. on. And then it gets, yeah, you slowly get a little less and a little less, but it's still there. Yeah. And you're still like, okay, he's lost a ton of blood. He's mm-hmm. lost so much blood. How's this deer still going? Well, it takes a lot. There's a lot of blood in there. So Lots. You're probably not ever going to watch a deer bleed what is out. That, eight quarter, eight quarter. Uh, or something it's like that? a lot. I don't, something like that. And so, don't quote me on it. Uh, if it just goes on and on and on and on, but it's still like okay, it's getting thin, but I'm still following blood. That's a pretty good sign that you have a l- one lung deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point, you need to, if you can, there's no rain coming. You need to get out yep. and give that deer plenty of time. If, if right, if I if I suspect that I'm I'm the upper. The, within the diaphragm, one lunging a deer, and I've gone 250 yards without finding that deer, that deer needs more time. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, that deer needs more time to expire. Give it that time, respect it, and come back later. I think of, I had a, a good friend of mine shot a giant deer, and I actually was on my way to join them in camp. They had shot him that afternoon, and he was quartering two, and he shot him, and that deer ran and ran and ran actually t- close to another buddy hunting and bedded mm-hmm. down, and he could hear him <gasps> wheezing. Yeah. And he's like, really did you just shoot this deer? And he's like, yeah. Is he dead? And he's like, no. He's lying over here wheezing, and that guy couldn't put another arrow in him, and, and it got dark, so he climbed down, snuck out of there, and they thought about going back, and they called me, and they're like, what do you think? What, what, do, you, what do you suspect? And I said, that deer's mm-hmm. one lung. You better give him some time. And that, that was actually, the of course, the biggest deer when I tell you what he scored. Um, but <laughs> my buddy had never really shot a deer of that caliber had any of us had. But it was like he wanted to get in there that night. And I was like, no, if he's one lung, we got to give that deer overnight. And then he started describing it more. And I was like, we're not even going in at first light. Mm-hmm. We're going to give him even more time. And that was at 4.30 in the afternoon. And we got to that deer the next morning at 10.30. And he was still limber. Right, and he was a one lung, two hundred and fifteen inch giant. Yeah, yeah. And so, how I don't even know how many hours that is, but he was still limber. Yep. And that was a very clear indicator to me. One lung deer take they can live a long time. We've had, that or they can live through it. We've tracked deer before and come up on them many, many hours later after several beds, and it was a one lung situation, and that deer was not dead yet. No, was not dead yet. Um, so you have got to give that deer ample time to expire. Um, and, and obviously, the colder the night, the better chance. It's just tougher. It's tougher mm-hmm. on them. And this is this is a situation where, you know, you want every shot to be ethical. But you also, if you don't make that the best shot possible, 
you've got to respect that deer and give it time to expire to be able to make a clean recovery yeah. and, and, and complete the job of a, of a hunter. And that's, that's, you know, making venison, feeding family, whatever it is, you, you've got to give, you got to respect the, the, uh, the animal, I guess, not even consequences of the shot, but you have to understand and respect what you need yeah, to do. What the, what sure. is the best move? And I think, so a one-lung deer, we're giving that deer six, eight hours before we ever even go in. And a lot of times, if I shoot him in the afternoon, he's getting overnight. Mm-hmm. And I don't typically like to go into an area right at first light. Um, but I, I want to certainly give that deer plenty of time, eight hours to perish just yep. because. Knowing it's a one lung. Knowing it's a one lung. Yep. Yep. And, and if, if you take up that trail to, and get to that 200-yard mark and blood's starting to get thin and he's not going down, you're not seeing definite signs, back out, give it the next day, give it six to eight more hours, 10 hours before you go back in. Uh-huh. All right, liver. Liver. Yeah, my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> liver blood to me, at, of course, immediately, liver is a, it's a big organ. And I think when you when you shoot a deer and you're like, ooh, that was back. A lot of times, like for you're me, catching portions of the. Liver. I just think if you take a deer's body or its its chest cavity and you draw a line right in the middle, liver right in the center of the body. Yep. I'm thinking liver, and uh, that's where if I see that happen, arrow blows through it and the deer runs off. I probably didn't hear it crash, or I might have. Who knows? But it probably didn't hear it crash. It just ran out of sight. I'm going okay that. That deer was definitely back, or that shot was definitely back. Now what? And I climbed down, checked the arrow, and some of the best-looking arrows or best-coated arrows I've ever seen have been liver shot. Very mm-hmm. thick blood. Thick blood. Dark it's coated. Blood. If yes. you have if you have white fletchings, they're red now. Yeah. If you've got dark red, dark red, right? Yeah. And it's just it's thick. It covers the arrow, um, but it, immediately, immediately, it's. Whatever I look at the watch, let's say I shot at ten, I'm not getting back in here to at least two. That, yeah. It's a four hour deal. Yeah. And if you are positive that you hit liver and you can hit lung and liver, you mm-hmm. know, that's that's okay. But if I still know that it's a lot of liver, four hours. Because then that deer's still one lung. Yep. One lung and liver, four hours. If I hit gut and, and liver, four plus hours. Yeah. Like I, you and I have debated this. And you know how much I hate one lung shots. I've mm-hmm. said I would rather shoot a deer liver gut than one lung. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, because I don't mind liver shots. I don't want to aim for a liver. No. But if I hit a liver, I'm still going. Eh, I'm going to give it a little more, a little bit oh, more yeah. time. But liver is, it's, I mean, liver's fatal. It will die. It's just a matter of if you give it enough time. And th- and this is the thing. Why we say four hours? It could die within two. It could die within three. It could die I, within twenty minutes of the yeah. shot. But if you go in after it, prior to that time, and you don't give it enough, you're bumping it out of the bed, and it's and it's gone. And then you're not finding blood because it's coagulated. It's have that time to yeah. basically heal itself or try to heal itself, and then from there you can't take up a trail and find it. So basically, it's I know that that a liver shot's fatal. But you better respect that four-hour minimum. Yeah. Before, and uh, if you do that, you don't how want many to liver shoot him when you have a flight coming up. <laughs> yeah. How many times have you shot a deer, liver shot, waited the right amount of time, appropriate amount of time, and you there's blood. There's a lot of blood, plenty yeah. of blood to find. Not, it's not really like dark. a double lung or no. heart, but there's plenty of blood. Plenty enough to find and and, and trail. But not it's walking first bed. Pace. Yep. It's first bed. You find it dead. 
Yeah. And a lot of times, when, you know, we say bed, you know, a double lung deer, I don't see bed They're down. not bedding down. They're crashing and falling and, and They're and laying kicking. in a treetop on their yeah. back, and you're like, whoa, boy, they, they perished a really weird way. They were just yeah. running full steam ahead and, and died. Right. Nose down. Same thing with heart. Over. Right. But a liver shot deer is they're going, they're running, getting away from danger, getting out of there quickly, and going to find a spot, usually a spot against, you know, let's say a blow down log, or it's really thick, a treetop, and they're bedded down. So sometimes when you get to a deer, it startles you because you're like, oh, they're still, wait, no, they're dead. But their yeah. legs are tucked up underneath of them, yeah. they're sitting there, but they've expired there in their bed if you give them enough time. Yep. And I, I mean, a liver shot. I, I shot that one deer, that one buck a couple years ago, right through the liver. That was that was a really neat experience for the fact that we were able to see it bed down. We were able to see what happens to a liver shot deer. And from there, it, to me, it was like, okay, what can I gain from this experience? It yeah. sucks to know that that deer is still kind of up, his head's still moving. Yeah. I just want to expire. And he, he bedded down like three or four times. Multiple times. You, I don't think you would have been able to necessarily see a, a deep depression no. and notified it as a only bed. Only one. Right, only one because he stayed there that long. But he, he'd he go, he ran, he'd bed down, get really uncomfortable, lay around, kind of twist around, stood up, take a couple steps, bed back down, do that, same thing. And then finally, he, he went another 10 yards, bed down, and just never saw him move again. Yep. But that was a three-hour experience. Mm-hmm. Waited there in the tree. We couldn't get out. But that was a that was a learning experience to see. Okay, this is this is how they react. This is why a four hour period time frame is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Because once in those bed, though, how much blood was there? It, it gradually went down. It was like pretty good blood to the first bed, but there was yep. blood in the bed. Stood up, a little bit of blood, not much blood in the second bed. Um, but there was still a little bit, a little bit, not much in the, not hardly any to the third bed. Um, and, and thankfully it was a short period. We because, could see. Yeah. Whole, we saw know. him actually die, but, um, if that would have, if it would have been a really difficult blood trail, if he'd have ran a hundred yards, bedded down, ran a, walked a hundred yards, bedded down, walked a hundred yards, bedded down. By the time we've gone between second and that's third 300 bed, yards it would have been very searching. difficult to find. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. That's why you don't bump a deer, a liver shot deer. You don't go in two hours, bump him because again, it's not that he won't die, but going and finding them, especially when you're in really thick cover, it's tough to find that animal sometimes. Yes. What's next? Next. We've Stepping got on back. Oh, oh. No man's land. Oh, no man's land. Okay. Yeah. yeah that That's a, I mean, a, a lot of bow hunters will go through their whole career and never have this shot. And this is a, it's a very small margin. What this is, is below the spine and above the lung, which is a very thin portion, or you go above the spine and just hit base of the tenderloin backstrap backstrap and there basically if if you if you're in that lung to spine area that's like it takes a very special person to do that it's <laughs> because they don't bleed like very much you don't, uh, you're not hitting them in the lung it's very sparse blood um there's a there's like a fine line because it's a you hit dead line. middle in between those you spine them and they lay there they're, they're paralyzed yeah uh, or do that. Don't even bring back the horror memories. <laughs> um, but it, you can hit them in that underneath or above it, and it's like a very kind of a meaty sound to yeah. me. It does not sound good. A lot of times you see this with steep, steep shots. Mm-hmm. You're shooting right above that 
that front long lobe and 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 tucking it i guess you're right above both of them but you're kind of wedging it in between the lungs and the spine and it's just not a very pretty sight or you're on the ground and they react or you just shoot high and it just (laughs) boom right over top that that uh spine and you're just clipping it a lot of times if you do that you see hair there on the ground too yeah a lot of hair with these two shots it's basically a buzz cut yeah. Right across there. So not I, fun. Not doesn't fatal. Typically, you're right. Result. Not in, much in blood. A, you may get a lot of. I see that you get like fat, fat on that too. On, on the that arrow. On the arrow, yeah. or like kind of a. How do I even describe this? Um, almost like a little ball of pinkish meat, mm-hmm. um, which is basically chunks of tender back strap. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean that's just that's it. Definitely fat covered arrow. Yeah, fatty, not in. That's when you just put Fat that quiver and, or put that arrow back in the quiver and say, "Oh, doggone it!" On to the yeah. next one. Sorry, Unfortunately, sorry about you. And and that's the that's the fact of it. So um, what's next? Next we've guts. got just stomach. I, I tried yeah. to make a little more PC. Oh, gut shot, but stomach, <laughs> gut. They know what we're talking about. Gut shot <sighs> here. These are uh, not fun track jobs, but th- there is good news, if that's possible. Sometimes you gut shoot them and they die within. I watch. I actually watched. This was a funny one. I watched my buddy shoot a same guy that shot the 215 inch deer. Mm-hmm. First antler deer he ever shot was a spike. Right. It was actually the the antler antler the antler deer that he shot before the 215. So he went from a spike to a 215 inch. Tell me how that works out for you. But I don't, um, I don't understand that. He shot this spike in the guts, way back, clipped mm-hmm. a limb, and it ran 80 yards. Yeah, and we heard it bed down. We're like, "Oh, we got to come back." That was one of the best blood trails outside of a double lung or heart shot that I've ever seen. And because he shot it in the guts, but he still hit that femoral artery. Artery and what well, was it? High, high gut? No, it was low it gut. It was low gut. There's, yeah. there's another. There's. It was, it was right have... in front of the back ham. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a femoral artery, but it's well, the it one that runs femoral. in the leg. Yeah, there, there's um, a big, a big main blood system that runs on top by the spine aorta, yeah and then you've got another one that runs on the very bottom yep and then you have the um femoral that goes in the ham the meat of the ham we'll talk yes. about that in a that's kind of where he hit right there yeah. not not the bottom of the ham but right in there um almost as if you'd say perfect on the front shoulder but on the back shoulder <laughs> yeah. like he shot he the got, wrong shoulder yeah that deer spun around and i didn't yeah. even know <laughs> yeah and that's what it was and and that deer died and in less than an hour, and it was what you would think was straight guts, but it was a great. Mm-hmm. But we thought it was straight guts until we got to the blood trail, and we're like, "Oh, there's really good blood here. We hit yeah. an artery. Yeah, this deer's and, dying. And that's, that's possible. That's very possible. And that's why, like, if you hit gut or there's gut on your on your arrow, and that deer's quartering, you know, away or two, there's still a, a really good chance that you can hit um, some really important stuff and, and yeah. it bleed out. And, and but frankly, time, not not a sales pitch here at all but if you're shooting a small fixed blade you're going to have a little more trouble doing that than a big expandable yeah um and another thing when matt said when they're gut on the area arrow so you know a lot of grit green green bile kind of slimy and smells bad (laughs) i'll say it you said off i've seen chunks of acorn i've seen chunks of corn i've seen chunks of soybean yeah right um but just gut material, yeah. food material, and it's green. Smells horrible. 
Yeah, um, greenish brown even. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not a good sight. Uh, but we can t- as soon as we see that shot, we're giving them some time. Now, if we get down time. and look at that arrow and it's got blood on it, and there's blood right there, then it's probably probably an artery. But we still give them over three hours. Oh yeah, just three because hour, we want to always err on the side of. The last thing we want to do is shoot a deer and then go jump it out of his bed and never find the deer. That's so. That's in my fun. opinion, the best way we can have success on a blood trail. And continue like so we shoot them, and then we want to continue the success is to give them time. Yep, and that's the thing. If you hit low in the stomach, you you have those the chances of hitting that other artery. And then top right underneath the spine again, that's another big channel. You can still easily kill them, even though it's way back. You have you have that cutting diameter, um, and you hit it just right, they can bleed out. The problem with that is going to be they they could die. You're probably going to kill them, but is the same thing with filling up that body cavity. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you're fighting with the grit of the stomach and intestine contents to also try and fill those holes. Yes. And so it could be a very difficult blood trail. The benefit to this is if you do have the ability to have a dog, there's a lot more smell going on because a of the stomach of contents. Yeah. Um, so. And, and that's you know, one of the other things is even though, okay, you might have blood right away, but then some of that stomach content gets and clogs those holes and helps to block the blood flow back out and onto the ground, that makes it difficult to find blood. And it could be filling up inside. So keep that in mind. And just because that's why grid searching is so important on, on these deer that shot middle of the body and back, um, because you might run out of blood quick, but then that deer is still going to expire. still lethal. I think of a, it was a, I shot with a rifle. Um, way oh, back got shot with a rifle it was in it it was a long ways away um and right when i shot it turned mm. it quartered away and i hit it right in front of that ham and it it didn't come out it just blew up inside basically yeah. and i didn't track it I, I i was like i don't know where i hit it i knew i hit it the way it reacted when it ran into the woods um next day I came back and was able to find a couple drops couple drops but that deer only went probably 60 yards off the edge of that field, bedded down against a log, and was dead right there. And as soon as he turned it over to gut the deer, it was a little bit high, so it hit, it hit really important stuff inside that that main artery. Yeah. And it, everything pulled up down in, in, the, in the lower yeah. section of that stomach. Mm. And it, like when I turned it over, you know, you see white belly, it was pretty much purple. Yeah. Blue, yeah, bruised and stuff. Um, yeah. But it expired really quickly, hmm. really quickly. I think of the doe I shot a couple years ago, you filming, and I hit her way back. Remember where I oh, hit her? Yeah. It was Ooh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon it was as I shot her. You... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was not – That was there was a few days there where I was, I was dealing with some uh, sights I thought were off, but it was actually a, a rest issue, a fall-away rest issue. But – um, we got it all sorted out, but that deer I hit really far back, really low, and it was kind of one of those like we're never gonna find yeah. that deer. I feel I want to throw up. Give me the barf bag. Yeah. And we got down and we're like, oh, there's blood. Oh, well, here's blood. Let's come back. Let's and come we went back. back yeah. I forget that was pretty early. We we gave that deer probably six hours. Yeah, we did. And came back and we trailed her up 250 yards and she never even bedded down. She just no. ran and ran and ran and died. And yep. she was dead within 30 minutes. Probably of probably of, of five minutes of the shot. However. I that hit deer, an artery. Yeah, definitely. But, however, 
that deer needed based on what we saw from the tree that deer needed that six four four six hour range yeah, before we totally. had taken it up we could have taken that trail up and been hitting an artery is is comes to luck uh, yeah you're, that you're hoping and praying that happens yeah and it did um it's not a high percentage shot no it wasn't like i'm aiming there going i'm gonna hit that artery give me that artery yeah no it it was like a oh the stupid 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 (laughs) and then we found blood and we're like oh i must have hit an artery yeah and that there yep that was a a a good learning experience as well i'm ready to move on to hind quarter hind quarter same thing you better pray for artery I've seen a lot of, and you, you see the horror stories on social media of deer getting shot. They're limping around, whatever. Um, there's a lot of meat to hit in a hind quarter. Obviously, there's you can break a leg. It's not fun. No. Sometimes, though, you have that opportunity, and you hit that femoral artery, and you are that deer bleeds, and it dies quick. Mm-hmm. And 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 it it's again not a high percentage shot, but if you do, you better hope and pray you hit that artery, and they will die and they will expire. You got to give them time. But you got to give them time, yep. and they they usually run a, a pretty good ways. And the trail you can see on the ground, you got um, the leg could break, the opposite leg could break if you don't hit um, bone on that initial side. You know you can have a broken leg that's unfortunately dragging a little bit, and you got leaves moved away. Um, but that deer, if you hit that artery, will die. Yeah. Um, but it's just a matter of getting, of getting that You're time You're going to know frame. really it's... quickly in that track job, too. Yes. Because if there's blood, you know, okay. Frankly, if, if you hit them in the hindquarter and you start tracking, there's no blood, yeah, it probably doesn't look very good. Yeah. Or you if start it's really, tracking... really speck blood, you hit meat. Yeah. And, and that's not good. Yeah. But, but if it, you start seeing blood, and, and it may a, not be... It's, just, it's not double long blood again, but it's a heavy flow and it's a yeah, consistent darker, flow. Darker blood, consistent flow on a on a hind quarter shot. You you hit something really important back there that that mm-hmm. femoral artery, and you can find that deer. But again, if I see that shot placement, I'm not taking up that trail for four hours. Yep. I, I just I'm not so, I'm not gonna do it. I think that's all of them right there, right? That that let's, is. Let's all give of them. you a quick rundown then. So heart shot deer. If you didn't see it fall, most likely if it's heart shot, you heard it fall or you. Or, or you, you saw still, it fall, yeah. but if not, you still give them. Uh, for me, always if I if I haven't if I even if I saw them get heart shot, I'm like, oh, that was heart shot, and I get down, I didn't hear him crash or I didn't see him fall. I still want to give them at least two hours, just on the side of precaution. Yeah. Um. So two hours, lots of blood on the ground. Yeah. You know it. You can take up the trail within 200 yards. If not, yes. you didn't hit heart, and you better back out. Yeah. And and so then we go into double lung. Didn't hear him crash. Didn't see him fall. You get down. There's really good blood. Really good. I still want to give him two hours. Yep. And I've taken up a trail. Find the deer. Okay. If I hear it a crash, then I, I'm, I don't. I, I don't want to get down twenty minutes later. I, I wanna, still give him thirty minutes. Exactly. I still give him that that time frame. But then take up the trail and go. For me, and I think that's a good. Maybe you can. Maybe this is something you'll start taking up. But Matt and I kind of. You shoot a deer and you get 30 minutes, or you shoot a deer, you see it crash, you still want to give them 30 minutes. That's kind of a good time, 30 minutes to reflect, oh, yeah. appreciate, enjoy that hunt, and pack up and kind of reminisce if you're with a hunting partner, somebody filming you. Yeah. Just kind Make of a, a few good time of reflection. So 30, 30 minutes, regardless. Um, and, and and then we go to single, uh, one long. Oh, love it. Oh, that's almost as bad Kinda as the last like, one, the hand yeah. shot. One lung deer. <laughs> uh, 
You're going to see some frothy blood. You're going to see some good colored blood. The first 200 yards are going to be like, man, we are sitting pretty. I'm the looking for a body. The decision point is the 200, 250 yard mark. And then it keeps going and going. Then it's time less to back blood, out. Less than blood. I think we said four hours. Yeah, I, Four to least, six hours. At least. Sometimes. And honestly, and at that point, for me, hours. it's it's always I'm giving it overnight. Mm-hmm. Or if I, shoot, or if I shoot it in the morning, I may say, I'm going to come back in the evening. Evening, and then if I don't find it before dark, I'm backing out and coming back the next morning. Yes. And again, if if you get to a point where you don't know where the shot was, you don't know where it's hit, find the evidence to tell you right away, and then back out and come back later. Yep. Come so back. So then later. we move on to liver, liver, um, dark blood, dark blood, lots of blood. Gonna give them four, four out, four plus hours. And if you do that again, you can typically find them in their first bed. If not, they may get up move around a time or two, bed back down, but they're pretty close in succession to where those beds are. They're very uncomfortable. They're just trying to expire. Yes. That's, that's, what's, that's what's happening. And then we move on to No Man's guts. Land. Oh, No Man's <laughs> Land. Uh, just go uh, home. <laughs> t- 24 hours uh, and climb back in another stand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. you're not going to find that deer most likely. Um, and you're going to see an arrow with no blood on it, maybe a little bit of fatty kind of sub- fat substance. I don't know why I say substance. It is fat. Mm-hmm. You've got fat on it, and you also have a little bit of maybe some pinkish, Pink basically meat. meat. Yep. Um, the same kind that you get on a little bit on your knife when you're processing a deer. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Um, and then we go to It always tends to guts. roll a little yeah, bit. I was gonna, like, earlier I was going to say a, a, a meat booger. <laughs> If that's exact because it gets a little bit of fatty substance mixed in, and you're like trying yeah. to flick it off your finger or flick it off the fletching. Like, get off there! <laughs> yeah, it's Ugh, a meat booger. I just missed this deer and get yeah. a meat booger on there. Yeah, I think I those two words I never thought I'd put together. Meat booger. And then <laughs> we go to gut shot deer, and that's definitely six plus hours, four to six plus hours, air on the side of six. Um, yeah. And we're looking at a kind of a greenish brownish arrow that stinks with grit and blood trail could or could be it could be it's, good if you hit an artery. Get it hit if or miss. If not, it's and the blood has got grit in it and it's just not good. But don't <clears throat> if you if you're in that situation where there's not a lot of blood, keep in mind that there's possibly a local person who's got a dog to be able to trail. That's a great time to get a dog on the trail. Perfect time. Then we go to back hams. Same thing. You're going to look for an arrow that doesn't have anything or it's got good dark blood on it. And Medium to dark blood, color blood. Basically, you'll learn everything you need to know on the arrow or right at the site of the, mm-hmm. in the first 50 yards. If so. you haven't shot lighted knocks, get them. Woo! Because you can you know a lot from the stand of what, what's your yeah. next move by, by knowing where you hit. Um, those low light situations, you know, sometimes it's tough to tell. What is that? Our first two hour podcast? My <laughs> gosh, we've it's gone long. on and on and on. But super it's like important. a, it's like a one lung blood trail. It yeah. just goes on oh, and no. on and on and on. So hopefully this podcast has been very educational and very, uh, uh and share it with, with your friends who aren't it, as good at shooting and can't. Can't yeah. always make that double lung shot. And you know you have that buddy. Oh, yeah. You know you uh, got that friend. That buddy who chokes under the pressure and he sends him in the guts. <laughs> yeah. He's or like, he, I just or, hit the shoulder. Or you've uh. got that brother that shoots him in the yeah. shoulder. <laughs> You're so, going to send this to Chad. <laughs> uh, oh, he, he's going to unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, love, um, love. hopefully you like it and uh, you share it with your buddies. And uh, you join us next week for another 
Land and Legacy Podcast. Matt, final thoughts. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Good luck out there. All right. We're not giving him final thoughts anymore. We'll catch you guys next <laughs> week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God?